welcome to Jag Bang, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I'm Len Foote. And welcome to the program. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where our studio audience is back. They are primed. They are rocking. <laughs> Uh, I missed uh, dinner photos tonight. Where did you? Uh, are they up or? Yep. All right, I gotta go see them. Gotta go see them. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome to the program, everyone. Tonight we are going to be discussing the career and the artistic output of Lawrence Olivier. No. Oh. No. No. Oh. Oh, that's right. I'm. I'm that's right. That got rejected in the meeting. You're right. We are discussing the uh, artistic career and the output of 38 Special. No. Oh. One of these days, your uh, draconian staff <laughs> will allow me uh, my way. No, tonight we are talking the artistic career and the music of the one and only Bruce Springsteen, the boss himself. We'll talk our favorite albums of his. We'll talk our first exposure to him. We'll compare Bruce to other of his musical contemporaries. We'll discuss Born to Run and the canon of 70s albums. And we'll discuss his appeal and his greatness as a live performer. Plus, we'll talk Major League Baseball. We'll each provide a recommendation where Len and I recommend anything, something, that will make your life, the Jag Bags listener, better. We just make it better through our expertise. Expertise. And our recommendations. We'll also go through Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time, where we will provide more expertise uh, in our reviews of Rolling Stone's list. And we'll see what the lead singer of the band Beach Bunny has to say about current albums and whether we agree or not. Yes, the lead singer of Beach Bunny is uh, on the Rolling Stone selection committee. Oh, okay. Did you know that? They're from uh, Chicago, Beach Bunny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The lead singer was in front of our house uh, uh, over the weekend because her brother was auditioning for uh, our peerless sound engineer and producers band. Really? Yeah. And, uh, Sadly, though, Declan was 20 minutes late, so the guy was waiting uh, with the lead singer for like 20 minutes. They were uh, uh, apparently impossibly annoying. You know, the <laughs> apple doesn't fall far from the tree, Len. I look at him, I go, that's my boy. Good job. Poor Declan. He was very, he was very upset, and I think it's going to serve him well. Um, in the long run. I'll be like, oh yeah, those guys. I had to wait 20 minutes for them to show up. Jagoffs. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get to the program. Uh, and first of all, we're gonna start with, um, we wanna encourage everyone to listen to some of our past episodes. Uh, in particular, last week we talked the career of the two-time Oscar-winning actress, Jodie Foster. And as we always do, we post our episodes to Twitter and Facebook and also Instagram. 
and our Instagram post just blew up. It went viral. It was, and all I did was put a picture of Joe's phone. <laughs> and uh, just said, hey, check out our episode. Isn't she great? And uh, I, you know, I really like, I did like the picture of her. Was, um, but I mean, <laughs> I had no idea the appeal. I mean, it really just shows the appeal of Jodie Foster because that was like hundreds of comments or hundreds of likes. And the yeah. comments, although supportive, were they're a, little, they're a little creepy. I think they're a little creepy. I disagree. You just thought they were appreciative? They just said she was beautiful. It wasn't like, I want to put a shawl on her and lay beside her stare into her beautiful blue eyes it was nothing like that it was just uh, like she's beautiful I, th I think there's a little jealousy because you've never had that happen <laughs> where you posted a picture you know those are private communications Len, <laughs> not for public consumption and uh you know i it's true though i have never had people tell me that they wanted to put a shawl around me and lie down next to me uh, that you got me there. Life goals, beef. Yeah, I've, you want I've, the shawl comment. You yeah. get the shawl comment. Everything's good. I think I'm going to give Eileen a shawl <laughs> for her birthday, and then say, "What do you think, baby? Maybe you can put this around me. You can lie down." <laughs> oh, my eye! Oh, you just hit me. Uh, It'll work. I think so. We also we also provide tips on romance here. At yes, excellent expertise squared. True expertise. <laughs> uh, New reformed Lotharios giving <laughs> and it worked for me, and it'll work for you, the Jag Bags listener. <laughs> oh. All right, now that we've creeped out our audience, let's continue on. No, I think we should sell jag bag shawls. I think that's the next step. Ooh, now you're talking. Well, let's give a merchandise update now that I've mentioned jag bags merchandise. Speaking of merchandise, our new shipment of jag bags t-shirts has arrived and is waiting for you to order and wear them. We have sizes ranging from medium to uh, double extra large. Uh, they're yours for the low price of $20. Drop us a note on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and we'll get you one immediately. Join the Cool Kids Club. They're the rage of Cleveland right now. I would recommend contacting us through Facebook or Twitter since Instagram is clogged with likes for the Jody Foster picture. So It is. And, and, and creeps. I'm... Not, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm liable to dismiss your T-shirt request as yet just another form of perversion. So, yeah, probably best to follow what Len said. I didn't realize you were so judgmental. <laughs> I just thought those comments are so beautiful. Oh, wonderful eyes. The most beautiful woman. I'm like, just come on. Stop that. Mm. You're going to be on the porch yelling at people soon, aren't you? Well, I soon. I mean, I am. <laughs> it's already happening stop walking briskly that's provocative yeah. <laughs> put on another coat <laughs> maybe uh, Steve is officially that. an old man now 
I don't like the way you're looking at me. Scorning the instant, uh, the innocent compliments of our Instagram fans. Listen, the virtue of the north side of Chicago must be preserved <laughs> at all times. I weep for your children again. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I didn't realize, you know, your liberal and loose ways had infected uh, uh, not only Woodridge, but... Uh, That's why we moved to the hippie commune of Woodridge. <laughs> Just nonstop bacchanalian delights here. Right. Acid parties. Yes. Um, A lot of that. Likes of Jodie Foster Instagram posts. First. Where does it end, like? <laughs> First week of school, so <laughs> that's when they really crank it up in Woodridge. <laughs> We've heard that about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A jag bag shawl would be a great idea. We'd have uh, sizes of that. Mm -hmm. Who's heading our merch team right now? Well, uh, I think that was a uh, a joint project between your team and mine. But uh, my team did not like all the threatening letters uh, that uh, your team sent. Um, felt it was just a little over the top. We'll talk off podcast. I've made a new. I've made a new hire on my team. Yeah, well, we talked about that last week, right? Oh, a new hire. Another one. Yes. Who's that? His name is Landon Hudson. <laughs> Landon, nice. What's Landon going to be doing for you? Landon is going to be heading up my Kobe division, oh. where he will research all things Kobe Bryant and will be communicating them to an audience in order to uh, secure his place as the greatest basketball player of all time. Landon has his own staff. <laughs> he does. All right. Good hire. Congrats, Landon. I think so. And uh, yeah. Landon, Landon is going to personally take Blutch and Alex under his wing. How, how's your other new hire doing? Uh, well, he has, he's, he's, um, he's, uh, he's disappeared. Sad. What? You just hired him. What was his name? Uh, I think his name was, I don't even remember his name. <laughs> That's why your turnover is so high. Back to his notes to get the new name. Uh, I just got so excited about Landon Hudson. His credentials yeah. were too impressive. <laughs> oh, Jeromeo. <laughs> it was Jeromeo. He disappeared. Jeromeo disappeared. Well, I might have uh, made a few too many uh, joking comments. And, uh, you know, my humor is an acquired taste, as you know. And, uh, you know, Either you have a thick skin or you don't. And, uh, you know, maybe Jeromeo felt like... He or maybe he saw the way Alex gets away with everything. And he's probably going to apply to my office. That's what I think will happen. I, I would assume and hope that you would show Jeromeo the door after the way uh, the Cavaliers... Sounds like he wants to work. Maybe he doesn't want to be in some sort of slipshod turmoil-filled, playing favorites environment. You know, my uh, my work environment is freewheeling and creative and may the best ideas win. 
we don't go by rules or regulations or even, you know, time. You know, time is a social construct. The work gets done when, you know, um, the spirit moves us. You know, as a result, my team is happy and left to their own devices. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> let's move on. What, what, what's next? I Baseball? Am, let's talk MLB. Um, the, uh, the week that was in Major League Baseball is uh, was pretty much uh, marked by a resurgence uh, in the National League of the Atlanta Braves, who have now rocketed to first place in the NL East. The Cincinnati Reds, who, if you recall, I touted as a playoff team in the MLB preview episode with uh, Anthony um, and uh, they just passed the Padres. So if the season ends today, they're the second wild card. Um, yeah, the Padres, they're like, we're in trouble. Let's get Jake Arietta. Yeah, that's that move. Then he gets hurt moving. the first game. And he gave, up, he gave like five runs and two innings. What a surprise. Yeah, shocking. No one saw that coming. Nope. Uh, the Cubs, on the other hand, have uh, – well, I think – you know what? Can we just get to the Cubs and just say, I feel like they're tanking, you know, like in the NBA – you know, they're not, they're just trying to maybe just get a, uh, you know, a, a high draft choice. I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert. There is, so we, we went to the game yesterday. Yeah. Me and Darby. And this is what I was thinking while I'm sitting there watching them play poorly. Happ and Hayward were both playing, so I knew they were kind of doomed when I got there. If only one of them's playing, they have a chance to win. But if they're both playing... And like Mills, who's been a pretty good pitcher, they were just hitting him to death yesterday. But what I was thinking while sitting there is, okay, so this year they're obviously not trying to win. But if they try to do this next year, I don't know if it's going to work like it did before. Right. Because when they tanked the last time, they'd never won a World Series. I don't think, I don't think they're going to get the patience they think they are. I mean, Wrigley's, Wrigley's great. I mean, like yesterday, it was, it was a beautiful day. You could just sit in the stands, and, and the weather was perfect. It's a, it's a nice place to be, even if the product on the field isn't the best. But yesterday, so many people were leaving early. And these are people that, you know, you already bought their tickets. So if in the off season nothing's really done, they might take a big hit. They might they might not be getting the fan support if if they're assuming that people are going to still going to come. I don't know. I think you're right. I feel the vibe, like, the vibe was really different yesterday. I think you're right. I think that you know one of the byproducts of the Cubs' you know successful run was that um, was that you know. The days of, I feel like the days of, you know, like you said, you know, a great afternoon at the ballpark, day game, you know, beautiful day. It's Wrigley Field. 
and you're just there to enjoy a game of baseball and um no matter what it's a it's a great day it's a fun time those days are done uh no matter what happens on the field you know it's a great day i feel like that era of cubs baseball is over and now we're in an era where if you know if we're not going to put a competitive team out there i've got better things to do yeah there's there's it's going to be an empty ballpark and it's not just not only did the Cubs win the World Series, it was a half more than a half decade of a contender. Right. From 2015 to last year. Right. Either, you know, made the playoffs every year but one, made the NLCS three times, won the World Series. That's just an amazing streak of success. And then you're trotting out these. 28 year old, 29 year old guys have been in the minor leagues the whole time. I don't think people are going to come see that. So I, I'm hoping they're, they're thinking they're going to get some guys in the off season and at least be competitive. Cause right now they're not even competitive. Right. It's a train, it's a train wreck right now. I don't even understand the strategy because these guys like wisdom and Schwindel um, and Ortega, I, mean, I I can't see them being like a, a part of the Cubs long-term plans. Um, I mean, these are guys who are like, like you said, 28, 29 year old guys. This is their. Those shot. are our three good guys right now. Right. And Duffy, Duffy's a pretty decent player too. But it's not like these guys are like, they're, you know, we traded for them and we're going to just, um, you know, they're a part of our future and we're going to give them some time up in the majors, even if they're getting their brains beat out. We can see the future because, you know, you know, we got these, we got this guy in a trade for one of our best players, and uh, he was a highly ranked prospect. Um, I don't see that, and you know, unless they're, um, I mean, they're, they're they're all in the minors, and that's fine. If they're not ready, they're not ready. Um, but I feel like they're going to have to bring up some of those guys, especially all the the haul that they got for all those players. I mean, they've got to start bringing them up. Yeah, but I, like I said, I don't think they can, if they're going to try to do that for two or three years, they're, they're going to have terrible attendance. And Ricketts doesn't seem like an owner who's going to be like, okay, I'll wait on it. Yeah. And he was complaining about money two years ago or whatever. It's like the park's full every game. Yeah, I don't I mean, 2020, okay, fine. You didn't really have a season. You didn't have fans in the stands, but all the other years. And there's Cubs fans all over the place. And there's, I was even telling, I was talking, telling Darby this, there's people that come to Chicago just for Wrigley. They want to see Wrigley. Exactly. If you're a baseball fan in a different state, you're going to want to come see a Cubs game at some point. That's right. Um, so I think that, um, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be a very interesting off season just in terms of how, uh, you know, the, any moves that Jed Hoyer makes, um, will he go after, for example, Nick, uh, Castellanos, he'll be a free agent. He did not want to leave Chicago. Um, he's in a great situation with the reds right now. 
But, uh, you know, the Cubs ostensibly could outbid a smaller market team like Cincinnati. He'll be in. But to get a guy like that, you're going to have to tell them we're going to get some other guys, too. Exactly. So if that's not getting that getting that first guy would be huge if they got like a guy like that. okay, maybe you get a couple more guys because they're they're like, okay, the Cubs aren't completely tanking. I'm going to go. I'm going to go play for them. Unless it's a guy who only cares about money, because that happens sometimes. A guy will sign a huge contract with a terrible team just because he wants to finally cash in. I feel like, you know, Hoyer spent, or, you know, all those guys that he traded, you know, Rizzo and, and Brian and Baez and Kimbrell for, guys that are like a couple of years away. I felt like he should have tried to trade for someone who had some major league experience. Now, Madrigal's a good pickup. Madrigal is going to help. Yes, that is a good pickup. So you'll have Madrigal, you'll have um, Horner, who's, you know, uh, you'll have Contreras. And, you know, Madrigal is a guy who can get on base. And maybe all you need is just one, like, you know, pretty good bat. You know, maybe not the huge marquee name, but uh, maybe a veteran guy who may be, you know, nearing the end of his career, but he's got one or two good years left. Um, or a guy that, you know, is kind of flying under the radar. What you want is like someone who has three or four years of team control. Um, you know, someone that's signed to a long contract that you can get and kind of build around them. If that's, I mean, and they're out there, they're definitely out there. Um, not, maybe not necessarily a marquee name, but it's a guy who can help you anyway. Um, yeah, it's have, a big off. It's a big off season. I have sent all these suggestions to Jed Hoyer in my PowerPoint. <laughs> um, so he has not written back to me, but you know. yeah. any Indians news? Uh, so uh, the big news is well, two things. One is that I was reevaluating. Speaking of trades, you know, I was reevaluating this uh, Clevenger trade that the Indians made. Uh, they traded Clevenger and the center fielder, uh, Greg Allen of the Padres, and they got back five guys. And uh, one of them is Austin Hedges, who's a catcher, and he's pretty good defensively. He cannot hit, but he's really good defensively. And that was like, that's an example of like a major leaguer who, you know, he's had a lot of time and they plugged him in right away. And then they got two other guys that were ready to go in and fight for a uh, starting position immediately in spring training. And so the thing was, well, what can these two guys do? And the first was Naylor, this guy, Josh Naylor, who played in right field, and he was hitting about 250, 260. I kind of liked him. His defense was a little suspect, and he could stand to hit for a little more power. But I didn't hate him, hate him. Um, And uh, he's a young guy, too, and I felt like, oh, maybe he can get better. But then he like uh, broke his ankle, and uh, so he's out. But the other guy that they got is this Cal Quantrill, and Quantrill came into spring training uh, thinking that he might compete for a starting rotation job. Uh, did not get that spot. He was demoted to the bullpen. He had a terrible spring. He was all right in the bullpen. Then when the major injuries uh, hit you know, Bieber and Savale and Plezak, they, they 
said, okay, well, we're going to try you as a starter because we have nobody else. We have Jean Carlos and we have, uh, you know, uh, Abraham, uh, you know, Delgado. And uh, I just made that name up. Um, <laughs> in my well. I mean, Carlos Delgado. Yeah. Eli Morgan. Uh, no one. But anyway, so they put Quantrill in and he struggled for a little bit because he had been pitching out of the bullpen. But for the last uh, four, five, maybe six games, he's been great. Uh, really good. So uh, I feel a little better about that trade. They've brought up a third guy that I'm watching from that trade. His name's Owen Miller, and he can play either the infield or the outfield. I think he is not yet ready for prime time. He's He does some good things, but I think that he may have to go back down to the minors. But, um, you know, it, it's – too early to kind of grade these trades, but I like to look at them. And, uh, but Quantrill alone, um, you know, I was kind of worried like, oh, even though Clevenger's hurt, he's not pitching for the Padres. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a wash. Um, you know, you never like to get fleeced and you want to get something in return. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Quantrill might be a guy who can compete, definitely compete for starting. Um, he shut out uh, the Angels yesterday in that little league field, that Williamsport. They played in the Little League field. Yeah, how did they do that? Did they do what they did with the Field of Dreams field? They just expanded the, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and uh, so it was still really short, but, um, I mean, that's that's a tough park to pitch in. And uh, Quantrill shut them out and with mm-hmm. a couple of relievers. Um, so it was uh, really encouraging. McKenzie had a second straight great outing. Struck out Otani three times. Um, that's that's something you can really build on. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy from the minor league system. So, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit encouraged about the potential of the Indians starting pitching uh, for, for next year. And then the last thing I'll say about the Indians is since there's nothing uh, to really look forward to from a postseason perspective, I like to look at stats, as do you. And uh, there's really two guys that I'm watching right now um, as far as stats go, and that's Jose Ramirez and Fran Neal Reyes. So I, I, I like to try and predict where they'll w- wind up at the end of the season. So we got about a month left. Ramirez is sitting on 29 home runs. And 79 runs batted in. And I think I said at the beginning, also on that uh, MLB preview podcast, that we needed Ramirez to hit 40 home runs and drive in 100. And, uh, I mean, the season's lost. But I'm like, can he make it? And with 29 home runs and 79 runs batted in, he's got to hit. He's 11 shy, you know, with a month to go. I don't think he's going to make it unless he gets ridiculously hot. Yeah, that's a ton of homers. I'm thinking he's going to wind up with like 35 and 90. Mm-hmm. And which would still be a great season for him. Great season. Um, he, um, his all time, uh, his career high he hit 39 homers in 2018. So I don't think he's going to make it to 39. But all he needs to do is just hit one more. And he's, it'll be a second best season from a home run perspective. 
and he just needs four more RBIs to hit, you know, his second best season from an RBI perspective. The one thing I don't like about the Indians and the way that their hitters go, I saw this with Lindor. When Lindor came up to the Indians, he was a 300 hitter. Mm-hmm. And then he started to try to hit home runs and his average went down. And now you're seeing the same thing with Ramirez. Ramirez is a 300 hitter. And I think he's trying to hit too many home runs. And as a result, he's sitting at 257. That's too low. I mean, he can hit 280, 290. Um, but I, so that part's gone. If he can get to 260, that's a win. Um, as for Reyes, I really like that guy. He got hurt, hurt his back, and he was out for about 35 games. But he can still, he could uh, conceivably get to 27, 28. And if he got hot, he could hit 30. He's at 22 right now. So those are now that, uh, you know, I like to do it anyway, but uh, now that the uh, season is totally lost, uh, the stat watch uh, begins. And then the other thing, uh, you know, that I like to look at for the Cubs is Contreras, who is sitting at 17 home runs. He's supposed to be back this weekend. They think he might DH against the White Sox. So the question is, you know, how much are they going to play him? That's a little bit of a different situation. Well, they said he's got White Sox and the Twins. So he could get a lot of bats the first two series because he doesn't have to catch. He could just DH. Which would be great. So that's like six games of just hitting and not putting any stress on himself. Which would be great. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this before we move on to I recommend. How would you set up your White Sox playoff rotation? That's a great question. Especially with Tony Larusa as your manager. So Larusa is very smart, as you know. He's a lot smarter than you and me. And, you know, no matter what, He's very brilliant and will come up with an incredible rotation. Um, I think right now, I still feel like you got to go with, you know, like you want someone that's going to come out and, you know, throw really well and set the tone for the playoff series. So you, you got to have your best guy, I think, pitching and I don't know. I mean, right now it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting um, to see what you know happens to Lance Lynn. I imagine he'll be around, but I think you've got to go with Lynn as your starter. I mean, he's he's their best pitcher right now, statistically anyway. Yeah, but what about the rest of it? How do you so, how do you? I think, I think, I think Lance Lynn's a pretty obvious choice for number one one because. He's been really good, and two, he's a veteran. Right. But what's your two, three, four? Then I would go. Bear in mind, if if you're down in a series, that fourth starter might get skipped. Yeah, I would go. Yeah, I think you have to go Lynn, Giolito, and then is is Rod? Where's Rodon? Is he hurt? He's he's coming back this week. I think you've got to go Lynn, Giolito, and then Rodon, and then you've got uh, Keuchel and Cease kind of lingering in the in the background and they can come in in case you know things get away from 
I would I would put Rodan second if he's healthy because Rodan's been there. Rodan might have, might even be their best pitcher this year. Yeah, I mean him and him and Lynn they're both all stars. And uh, I'd put I'd put Jolito third because Jolito he's been he's been back and forth. Right. He hasn't been consistently good. And then honestly, I I, I don't trust Keiko at all. I don't. He's he hasn't had a good year. I would put I would start Cease. In a game four, and just have Keiko ready as a long reliever in case Cease pitches poorly. Because because Keiko, he's I don't know I don't know if he's done or he's just having an off year. But if I'm a Sox fan, I don't I don't want to see him starting a playoff game. No, I, the the one thing Keiko has going for him is the experience factor. But he didn't pitch well last year. He he had a bad game against the A's last year. In the playoffs. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, I, that's, that's the issue with La Russa, though. Could you see La Russa going, I'm going to go Lynn, then Keichel, then Jolito, and then Rodan fourth. I could see La Russa doing something like that. Uh, La Russa doesn't strike me as a guy who's, like, afraid of the moment. You know. No, no. It's like going with veterans instead of the guys who've been the best the whole year. That's what I'm saying. I feel no. I feel like he's going to go with the guys who got you there. Um, I, I think he's going to go with like what you and I were talking about. With you know, if it's Lynn and Rodan and Gilido, I mean, those are those are the horses you got to ride or, or die with. And um, you know, with Cease and, and Keiko kind of like looming, really, all they've got to do is get it to the sixth before they turn it over to the bullpen. Um, just get it to that bullpen and let them take over um, because that bullpen is great. And, you know, it's deep. They can bring in a lot of, throw a lot of arms at you. So if you've got a lead going into the sixth and hopefully the Sox hitting will be, you know, clicking on all cylinders. So the starting pitching maybe might not be, you know, what, you know, it, it has, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, lights out. Even their, but their bullpen, like Kimbrel hasn't been real good. And I love Kimbrel. I, but that, that's what I said a couple of times already that he should be the closer. Right. I don't think he likes coming in in the eighth inning. And I think he's better than Hendricks. That's a, that's the tougher issue for LaRusa because you don't want to take Hendricks out, you know, uh, even though he's kind of been up and down himself. To change that, you know, flow or how things have been going at this point in the season, I think that's messing with that formula. I think is very dangerous. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a Cubs fan, but I'll be rooting for the Sox. But I'd be worried about Larusa's decisions and just the prospect of. Hendricks blowing a save in a big game. I keep picturing that in my head that that's going to happen. Like Hendricks is going to blow a game. It could be. I mean, at this point, you got to go with the with the with the guys that got you here. I, I don't believe that though. Not if you got a guy who's better. Not if you have Kimbrel. I, I don't. I don't see what's wrong with Kimbrel in the eighth and Hendricks in the ninth. Mm. We'll see who's right. <laughs> the gauntlet has been laid down. Will LaRusa take Glenn's advice 
and flip flop his setup man and close. I don't see. I don't see him doing that. Larusa's not just that. What we just mentioned too. I bet you Keuchel, he puts him in like game three or game two or something ridiculous. Well, that's another. Uh, that's another thing to watch. Okay. You watch. Those okay. will happen. They're going to happen. He's not going to. He's not going to make Kimball the closer. There's no way. You are predicting at least two bonehead Tony Larusa moves <laughs> in the playoffs. I hope I'm wrong. I'm fine. I, I, I'd like to see the Sox do well. I'd like to see them get. I'd like to see them. Uh, I would love to see them beat the Yankees. I would love to see them beat the. Astros. I don't want the Yankees to make the playoffs. I know now they're in the playoffs again. If the season ended right now, Yankees are hot. Ugh. But Boston's right there. It's not like the Yankees are. The I think the Red Sox are only a game behind the Yankees in the wild card. Yeah, the problem is that the Red Sox have been slumping. Um, they got to get it together. It's still they're still right there though. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. the Yankees have. Yankee, you just said the Yankees have been hot, but they haven't ran away with it. So. Yeah, I mean the Yankees, Rays, the teams that need to lose: Yankees, Astros. There's somebody in the National League. Oh, the Dodgers. I don't want the Dodgers to win. But if the White Sox in the playoffs played, um, you know, uh, Boston, New York, or um, the the third one, uh, Houston. I'm absolutely 1,000% rooting for the, for the Sox. Yeah. Even Oakland, you know, I want to. Who would you, who would you, gonna, who would you root for to win? Uh, a World Series? Yeah, like who, who do you want to win if the playoffs kind of are set up like how they are right now? I'd love to see the Giants do well. Yeah, I always like the Giants for some reason. Um, I... You know the Braves. I, I really, you know that I, I, I don't have feelings on them either. They're always in it. I like the Braves too, and they always seem to lose. Um, the Reds. I, you know, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if the Reds did well. Yeah, um, someone different. The Reds would be fine. They're close. Joey Votto has been great his whole career. It'd be nice to for him to have some success, even though he's crushed the Cubs. Right. And their closer is a jag. Uh, I don't even know if he's their closer because he's been bad this year. <laughs> I haven't been following them, so I don't know. I know they're hot. They've been, like, playing the lights out. So yeah. I don't know if they've solved their issues there. But um, anyone, anyone but the Dodgers and the NL is fine with me. That's true. I don't think the Mets are going anywhere so or the Cardinals are going anywhere. So I don't think we have to worry about them. The Cardinals aren't playing that that bad, but the Reds and the Padres are up at least a few games on them. So should be a great race. Yeah, I'll be watching distantly, crying over the Cubs, especially this weekend when they play the Sox. When I get to see Facebook posts like, "Oh yeah, the Cubs stink." Oh, thanks, thanks for telling me that. Uh, I didn't realize that. Thank you. Thank you. Your keen eye has pointed out to me that the Cubs aren't good. I suggest that you just uh, take a positive attitude, (laughs) practice meditations, block anyone who's upsetting you, (laughs) and focus on Wilson Contreras. That's in your control. (laughs) The rest is out of your control. 
<laughs> These are. Uh, this has been Therapy Minute with Mike Byer. Let me tell you, as a veteran of not one, but two extra inning game seven World Series losses, I am very familiar with self healing therapy. Uh, That's to, brutal. To That's try brutal. to make myself feel better. So, two, uh, two extra inning losses in the World Series and a couple brutal conference championship game losses in football. Yeah, that's that's somehow you beat the Cubs somehow. Well, I don't know. The Cubs are the Cubs are uh uh still pretty bad overall. Well, the Cubs had 84 84 in 2003 were the big traumatic ones. Those are the bad ones. I was, you know, I was only three years old in 1969, but that I guess was pretty traumatic for Cubs fans when they blew the division that year. You know, we'll get into it uh, when we do the podcast on the 2016 World Series. And yeah, that's coming up. It's and coming I know up. no nobody believes me, but the Marlins game seven loss was far more devastating. Far more. The, the, the Indians 2016, I felt like we were playing with house money when we got to the world series. So you thought the Indians in 97 were better than the Marlins. Yeah. I thought we should win that. And, should have won that. and that game seven was in the bag. It was in the bag and Hargrove takes out Jarrett Wright and brings in Mesa for the ninth. And I went, Oh no. Why did he just do that? Wright was cruising. They could do nothing with him. And he he didn't even get into trouble. I think he'd given up two hits. Uh, he, he didn't even struggle in the eighth. There was no reason to take him out of the game. None. And so that was awful. Awful, awful. So um, the Cubs, I mean, you know, we were – well, we'll get into it some more. But I felt like, well, we're not even – we're not as good as the Cubs – we, our our pitching staff is decimated. We have no outfield. I, it's amazing that we're here in the first place. So, if and the Cavs won, you know, four months before. So this would be unbelievable. But you know, I felt and I felt like, well, they played their hearts out. The Cubs are just better. But the flip, but the flip side of that is, a lot of people would be confident playing the Cubs because the Cubs had a history of having so many terrible losses. Not that year. Hmm. They were the best team in baseball. Yeah, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. I mean, uh, I mean, they they just had too much talent. Yeah, and uh, and not only that, but they weren't even playing the Indians at full strength. It'd be one thing if the Indians were at full strength, um, but they weren't. So, um, so it was like I couldn't believe they were up when they went up three one. Um. We'll, get well, we'll, we'll talk more. We'll talk, we'll more. talk more about this. Later. It's a little taste for you, Jagbags. What a tease for the Jagbags fans. <laughs> They're like, give us more, Beeve and Len. Sorry, guys. We've got a Bruce Springsteen podcast to get to. We didn't even do I Recommend yet. We got to do I Recommend in uh, Rolling Stone Top 500. Should we do I Recommend? Yeah, why don't you start? All right. I started a book. I got it for my birthday. Speaking of the Indians, uh, I've started it. It's very good. Uh, it's called Our Team. Oh, I think I've got my Zoom background on. 
so you can't see it, but it's called Our Team. And uh, it's the story of the last Indians World Championship team, which was in 1948. And it's very well written. The guy, the author's name is Luke Eplin, E-P-P-L-I-N. You ever heard of uh, Luke Eplin? No, no. Did uh, they come out this year? Did it just come out? Yeah, it came out uh, this year. What's it called? Our Team. All right. Maybe you'll be able to purchase it at an O'Hare Airport bookstore. Ooh, I want it on the end cap. <laughs> Let's not get crazy, Beef. Oh, um, but it's it's the story of uh, how the Indians uh, got um, Larry Doby, who was the second black player in Major League Baseball. And then later added uh, Satchel Page, the uh, veteran uh, Negro League legend, and uh, and they needed him uh, because they had a pitcher that went down, and they needed him for that August and September push. And uh, and how really, um, you know, integration had started with the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers with bringing up Jackie Robinson, I think a couple others, but it was the Indians or this, this uh, author makes the point that it was the Indians who kind of legitimized it and said, no, this isn't a, a gimmick or a one-time thing. You know, this is here to stay. And, and maybe the owner's methods, the, the owner at the time was a guy named Bill Beck um, and who, who went on to own the White Sox in the seventies. And as you know, Vec well, I sat right near him in bleachers at Wrigley once. Yeah. He's a, he was big on gimmicks. His dad used to run the Cubs in like the thirties, the twenties or thirties and uh, under uh, Wrigley, Mr. Wrigley himself. And uh, so, as you know, Vec was a big, he's big into gimmicks and promotions. And so a lot of people say, well, you're just getting, you know, black players. That's just another gimmick. But he was like, no, you know, this is a, a whole other audience that, you know, could come to games and, 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 and these guys are great. <laughs> they can help our team. And uh, so, and the, and the other thing too, the flip side of it too, is that as they were really helping to really break the color barrier in baseball and, you know, really uh, open doors at the same time, they were introducing a, a new uh, unveiling, a new team logo chief wahoo so i mean it was so it's 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 so ironic uh what was happening so if you look at the at the cover you can't really see it it's a it's a photo of the of doby and page and on their sleeves is chief wahoo um so it's uh and i feel they kind of gloss over that but it's very well written very well written so our team that's my recommendation all right my I recommend is Free Guy. Free Guy. It's a movie. You didn't hear about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, where have I heard of it? Anyway. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's right. Ryan Reynolds is an incidental character in a video game who ends up disrupting things by going, hey, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> And it's also about a uh, video game 
inventor who is going back into the video game to find evidence that this guy who, who runs the biggest video game company stole her idea. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really cool uh, idea for a movie. And they, it's funny. And I went with Henry and he's, he was all over it. He's been dying to see it. And uh, Jodie Comer is in it. She's on, you ever watch Killing Eve? Yes. She's a good actress. She plays like a normal person in this. She's not like a lethal assassin or anything. And Joe Carey from Stranger Things. Yes. I like both of them a lot. Yeah. And the um, Ryan Reynolds, I, I have mixed feelings for. I used to not like him at all. Did I ever? Did you ever hear me talk about the vat of acid? No, uh, no. <laughs> I, I used to. <laughs> I used to tell it to Ernie and Tracy a lot. The vat of acid would be an actor that I would put in a vat of acid so they wouldn't have to act anymore. Like just stay there, <laughs> and you could get out of the vat of acid if you happen to change my opinion. And Ryan Reynolds. He was like that for a long time. I'd be like, man, I can't stand this guy. But he was in a movie called Adventureland. Did you see that? No. And he's pretty good in that. It's like him and Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg. It's a really good movie. You should watch it. And I liked him in that. So I'm like, okay. So we started to remove him from Nevada Acid. <laughs> and I liked both Deadpools a lot. I and do too. In this movie, he's kind of back to some of his old mannerisms that I don't really like. But he's playing a video game character, so it's not as bothersome. Right. But I really enjoyed it. So that is my I recommend for the week. All right. Well, uh, let's move on before we get to the main event. We're warming up the crowd for the boss and his (laughs) band. But before... They enter. Let's go to Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. This is the list that will never die. It will just keep. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. We are getting. I am not getting close. (laughs) But the uh, but the uh, immersion is worth the uh, the slow and uh, is worth the slow journey. And uh, I figure I'll finish up in 2027. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, what I keep hoping for is like, I, I'm like, I got to hit albums that I've never heard of. Or, or, or I'm sorry, the opposite. I've, I've got to hit albums that I've heard so that I can skip. Um, but uh, I've well, never. Well, the top hundreds probably. Yeah. You've probably heard most of those. I would think. But you're still, what number are you at for something still? I'm still stuck on like, yeah, I'm at 433. (laughs) Like I hit like, you know, Jefferson Airplane Surrealistic Pillow. And I was like, finally, ah, God, I could skip one. uh, Get to uh, Manu Chow. I'm like, Manu Chow. I have to review a album by Manu Chow. That's coming up for me. I'm curious in you, as your review of the Manu Chow record. Which one did you listen to this week? I listened to one. I think you reviewed it too a couple of weeks ago. This was 
LCD sound system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, and you liked it. I did. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Have you gone back and listened to it since? No, but I will. I think it's a really good album. Next time you you know head down into the city, going to Liquor Box. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wearing your shawl. <laughs> yes. Shawls for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I get one. And uh, I, too, will blast the LCD sound system. Uh, yeah, I just don't get it. I just, um, I think it's all bland and sounds the same. And um, you know, they get into a groove and... Uh, nope. Just, well, who asked you? <laughs> when I want your opinion... I will ask. <laughs> Which you did when we started this podcast. Oh, darn it. Don't bring that up. Your mistake. Oh, I'm tired of these details and Samantha <laughs> introducing into the conversation. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't even, uh, I, you know, and I liked uh, North American Scum. You know, that's good. Um uh, but I just, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I just think it's, they're trying to go for this huge anthem kind of like, you know, big feeling. And I just think it's kind of toothless and bland. Incorrect. But that's why they pay me the big bucks. Incorrect. To prick the balloon and expose the <laughs> truth. Don't listen to Beeve. Excellent album. It is not an excellent album. It is just okay. <laughs> and that's now, the type of edgy debate you get on Jag Bags every week. Let me tell you, we go into it. Um, and uh, I um, I would not put that in my top 500. I would you would. You would put that. That's what I'm going to do when I'm finished. Is I'm going to go through the 500. I'm going to do yes, maybe, and no, and right. see what the see what the percentages are. Uh, what percentage? Another you tease for Jagbags listeners. Ooh. What amazing stats will Len give us? I can hear people making notes, putting reminders into their calendars. <laughs> Let's give them a moment to do that. Uh, I feel like I found let's, let's give them a moment. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna talk about myself for a while, which will give you more time. <laughs> which is pretty much giving them a moment because they'll stop listening. <laughs> Such a jag off. <laughs> so uncalled for. <laughs> I uh um I feel like about 25% of the albums that I haven't heard. I've been like, yeah, that was really good. I listened to it again. Yeah. Um, out of the ones that I have not. Um, and some great ones where I'm like, oh, where have I been? I'm an idiot. This is great. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to do this. And uh, um, it's, it's been a great exercise. And next week I'm going to be reviewing the album Confessions by Usher. Mm -hmm. Seduction. <laughs> also, when I do my own top 500, 
if you object to one of my picks, you, you have to just say pavement. Oh, <laughs> so if I object to one of your picks, I say just pavement. Pick. Okay. But it has to be strong. It has to be, it can't be, eh, you have to really be like, no way. So if I pick an album, you don't like it all. You just say pavement. Okay. So this starts right now. No, no, no. I'm still doing Rolling Stone, but I'm, it's coming. I see. Yeah, it's coming. So the pressure's off right now. (laughs) Yes, Pete. No, (laughs) no pressure. You need to know. Let me run through. So we can get to Springsteen. We're kind of carrying on today. We're doing fine. I think the whole Shaw thing got us <laughs> distracted a little bit. We're doing so great. Let's, let's do a little. Uh, let's do some quick ones. I mean, we did six. So we're still going to work seven days a week. But better than last week's measly output. Staff is slipping. I think I've I've uh, seen them on LinkedIn with the, the hashtag Len hashtag Len Burnout. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> Number three twenty five. All killer, no filler. Yes. Yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis. Kind of a no brainer. Great. Rock and roll pioneer. Yeah. And it's it's got everything you want. Uh, so not much more to say than that. Agreed. I mean, there's no glaring omissions or anything. Yeah. Is he still alive? I forgot yeah. to Google it. I was just talking with our loyal Jag Bags listener, uh, Bruce, uh, earlier today. And uh, I don't know if you heard that Don Everly from the yeah, yeah, saw that. passed mm-hmm. away. We were saying, uh, I mean, Jerry Lee Lewis may be the last one standing. How was he alive? It's amazing. He's like, he should have been first out of all of them to go. He's the Keith Richards of the 50s. Oh, he's 85. Total complete lunatic. (laughs) Somehow still alive. He drunkenly showed up at the gate of Graceland (laughs) waving two loaded guns. Uh, at two in the morning, like, hey, Elvis, go out and talk. Elvis, like, oh, I am not calling the cops instead. And I just, and they I asked just, about it later, and he said, I was really rocking that night. <laughs> yeah, one of the first things that comes up when I Google him is him saying, I worry about whether I'm going to heaven or hell. <laughs> <laughs> He is literally, uh, he has been like never charged formally, but suspected in the deaths of two of his former band members. Like, you know, really? Yeah, two people in his band over the years have met with untimely uh, you know, deaths, and people are like, oh, that was all Jerry. I got a, there's a book about him. I think my father in law recommended it to me. So I got off to read that. Is it called uh, Hellfire? Maybe. He, he said it was really good. By Nick Tashes? Could be. Oh, yeah, Nick Tashes. Okay. He's a yeah. really good, very good music critic. I read Hellfire. I still have it upstairs. And uh, uh, it's good. It paints him as totally like the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> like, like, this guy does not have long for this earth. 
<laughs> yet here he is. There he is. Probably at IHOP. He's probably sitting next to me at IHOP getting his discount. <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, for your Jerry Lee Lewis fix, this is perfect. Yes. And then I also listened to one you recently listened to. Did I write this? I don't even know how to say this. It's by Can. Yes. Did you like that one? I did. I thought it was Me too. I really liked it. It's interesting. It's uh, very, it sounded like it could have been recorded today, even though it was made in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And I will, I'll listen to it again for sure. And what Rolling Stone said about it was they're an influence on Spoon, who I like, and Sonic Youth. We talked about Sonic Youth a few podcasts ago, and Goo's a really good album. Yeah. So it makes sense that I like this album. Every so good, good pick, Rolling Stone. Agreed. Agreed. Every Can album that I have heard, I've liked. And Can's made a lot of records. And yeah. Everyone I've, I've, I've said, oh, that's great. They must not have. I've never heard of them until this year. They're music critics. Uh, you know, they're, but, you, but, I, but I read enough music stuff. I'm surprised I never heard of them. Well, then that's the difference between the <laughs> skimmer and the one who really cares about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Land is quitting the podcast. <laughs> By barbs and cruel remarks. I'm packing up my cooler of Mr. Pib as we <laughs> I also listened to another one you listened to recently, and that's for Emma Forever Ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bon Iver. Right. And I liked it. I, I, I know I listened to one of his other albums, and I didn't care for it. It was one that was people were raving about, and I'm like, I just can't get into it. No. But I did like this one. And if I recall, I remember thinking like it's okay and weird. Yeah, but I think that this one's better than the other one I listened to by him. So he gets another chance. Okay. <laughs> and then number 462. Really enjoyed this one. Gilded Palace of Sin. Oh. Yes. Although the <laughs> I don't think the title of the album really matches those songs. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but it's really good. And I listen to like the deluxe version. And all the extra songs are good too. Flying Burrito Brothers. And I was a little bit surprised I liked it because I didn't really like Graham Parsons solo stuff because I, I listened to like a couple of his albums, I think. I think re fairly recently, and I didn't really like them. But this, this I really enjoyed. Yeah. And number four sixty four, three plus three, Isley Brothers. Great album. Yeah, classic. That lady. Awesome. That song will be on the radio forever. Yeah. It's all. It's been in a bunch of movies. I feel like too. Yeah. It's always like. We want to create the mood of the 70s. And yeah. I feel like that's a song that belongs to a certain, it captures the mood of a time period. Yeah, definitely. And they do the best kind of covers because their covers are different songs. 
And there's two on here, and it's two songs. I really like the originals, and I also like the Isley Brothers versions of it, and that's Summer Breeze. Awesome. And Sunshine. Yep. Which <laughs> I love that song. And I'm like, oh, Isley Isn't Brothers. Isn't Don't Let Me Be Lonely Tonight on there too? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, uh, but like I said, they're so good. It's, it's like a, it's a different song. Yeah. Those are the, those are the best kinds of covers. And I think in that era, there was a lot of that, like late sixties, early seventies where people would, a song would come out and then 10 other people would record it again. They're like, Oh, that's a good song. Let's keep going. Right. The Beatles. I mean, we could do a whole we could do a whole podcast on best Beatles covers. Yeah, it's coming. We're just giving nonstop tastes. We really for are all our Jags list. Little previews. Yeah, World Series, Beatles covers, shawls. <laughs> all for you. Oh, that shawl bags listeners is going to be seductive and. <laughs> You know what's funny is <laughs> on Wikipedia. Oh no, never mind. That's wrong. Yeah, don't let me be lonely tonight is on there. Listen to the music. Yeah, right. That that yeah. A lot of covers. But it's not like a cover album where you're just like, okay, I've had enough of this. Because they make them their own, like Joe Cocker or Linda Ronstadt. Or like Aretha Franklin doing, doing respect. Or Elvis. Elvis was that uh, he did mostly covers in the seventies. Yeah. Let's see. I have, I have one left. Yeah, one more. And then we can jump into Springsteen, and that's CTRL by SZA. What'd you think of that record? I listened to it before. I listened to it. I think it might've even made one of my top tens. I thought it came out like two years ago, but it actually was four years ago. The first song in the album is Supermodel, which I like a lot. And the whole, I like the whole album actually, but I feel like an album this recent, I mean, let it, let it age a little bit before you throw it in the top 500. But it is good. I'm not. I'm not offended by it being in there because I like it. But I almost feel like there should be like a seven-year rule. Like let it anything after 2014 wait on, wait on until your next list before you deem it one of the top 500. You know, and that's a, that's a. I mean, you bring up a really interesting point because. You know, you want to, I, I feel like Rolling Stone, they, they um, base a lot of their, um, you know, they try to be like on the right side of history, you know, you know with their, some of their reviews, um, you know, where they're like, I instantly recognized the genius of Los Lobos. I was going to say Los Lobos. I mean... <laughs> I remember, and I listened to it the other night, uh, Brian Wilson's uh, first solo album from the 80s. It had Love and Mercy on it. And uh, and I remember when that came out, Rolling Stone, I mean, 
they wrote the longest review I have ever seen. And they were just like, this is a sun-kissed masterpiece. <laughs> and just, I mean, just. Kind of like one of my layups. Oh, boy. When I'm playing in the outdoor courts in Chicago. Those are sun-kissed masterpieces. What people, my, that's, what, that's what people say. People write three, four-page reviews. Those two are on the, well, are they on the right side of history? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we're still not in that seven-year grace period. But I think like Rolling Stone, yeah, that's why I feel like they put these, you know, albums that just came out, like this SZA, they put it in there. Seem current. Like, look, we're current. We're on top of this. Right. And then 20 years from now, when you see this, you're like, oh, they knew. <laughs> they just like a Len layup. <laughs> they knew. Um, I, I think it's funny that a Len layup can be con compared to Brian Wilson's first solo. <laughs> so much alike. The next layup you, you make. You actually have to be a poet to recognize the comparison. The next layup you make in basketball, I'm going to start singing Love and Mercy <laughs> at the top of my lungs. You're going to confuse Wayne because he's like, that's not a Beatles song. <laughs> I thought you guys were Beatles fans. Jerry will say, uh, you're, you're off key, please. Uh, <laughs> also, there are five better songs. So just please. All right, let's move on to the main topic. Probably best. Uh, tonight, our topic is one of the most successful recording artists of all time. He has sold like millions and millions, hundreds of millions of, of records. And a lot of his albums, not just one, but like three or four are considered to be like the all time best. I can't believe, and speaking of Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone has just like loved this guy from the get-go. Um, and I'm surprised we haven't seen any Bruce Springsteen records yet. And we're already up to 433. I would have thought we'd have seen at least one or two by now. Um, unless they're all- I think, there's a, I think there's only two. There might be two or three which in is, the whole top 500. Yeah, which is very interesting. Um, but the artist is Bruce Springsteen. And he's been an icon for as long as um, uh, I can remember. And, uh, and to me, his music is, the, he has more like jams where you're just like, oh, reach for the volume and crank this, preferably in a fast car. Um, I feel like his music is best enjoyed on an open road uh, playing as loud as possible. He's got so many, which we'll get into, great songs that are like, are really associated with the road and played very loud. And uh, his lyrics are amazing. Um, and he's he's got some just amazing anthems. And he's got a lot of albums that I feel from start to finish are incredible. And finally, as a live performer, he's you know recognized as like one of the best. So, um, so it's it's going to be uh, fun to talk about him. And when were you, Len? When when did you become first aware of Mr. Springsteen 
And were you a fan or maybe not necessarily? I think in the back of my head, you always knew like Born to Run. That's a song you just heard all the time on the radio. Yeah. Starting from when you're a little kid. We might not know it's Bruce Springsteen, but that's the one you hear all the time. But I'd say the first song, as I really remember, I think is uh, Hungry Heart. Yeah. Knowing that that's a Bruce Springsteen song. Because yeah. that song was huge. And I... <laughs> I found out some stuff about Hungry Heart today. First of all, that was his first big hit. It was number five. Even Born to Born to Run only hit 23 on the charts. So Hungry Heart was his first top 10 hit. And the reason he wrote it is he wanted to write a Ramones song. Did you know that? Did you know that? I found that out. uh, I was today years old when I found that out. Yeah. (laughs) I was looking at it. I was arguing with Bruce about the river. And uh, so (laughs) I uh, put on, I was was reading it up and I I came across that fact. And I was like, wow, I did not know that. And Bruce did not know that either. Bruce Holland, that is. Yeah, it was funny because he said that before that Hungry Heart song came out, it was mainly guys in his audience. Yeah. Oh, funny. he, he was talking about, I guess, on Jimmy Fallon, of all things. And he said, it's he, he was like, it's because of the deep homosexual undercurrents in our music for that. That's why we only had guys there. He did. He made a joke. <laughs> Off color, Bruce Springsteen joke. And, uh, and the Ramones heard about it. And I, I forgot which Ramones. Some, one of the Ramones is being interviewed. And they're like, well, Bruce owes us some money. Because <laughs> I guess he originally wanted to offer them the song, and his manager said, "No, no, no! You keep the song for yourself." So, "Hungry Heart" could have been a Ramon song. I can't even picture it. And they <laughs> they even joked about it. He was joking, one of the guys in the Ramones, but he's like, "Well, I don't know if he could keep up with us if he came on stage with us to perform." <laughs> he's like, "We don't want no Jersey boy messing up our music," <laughs> which I thought was was really funny love it but yeah hungry heart was the i think the first one i remembered and i love that song that's one of my favorites but that's my first experience with him i think what about you what was yours i think hungry heart as well and uh well and the other thing too is that in cleveland we had a dj uh wmms uh fm radio home of the buzzard and they were very big in uh breaking bruce springsteen to a larger audience um and they promoted the heck out of him when he would come to cleveland um even when he wasn't that big but uh there's there's one dj uh named kid leo and kid leo is now i don't know if he's still on little steven's garage that's a serious xm channel kid leo was actually my nickname when i was a basketball prodigy Really? So I, I was doing my, video, but I didn't know it was basketball prodigy. <laughs> when I was doing my sun-kissed layups on the mean courts of Jefferson Park, we okay. We'll talk about. We'll unpack this later. 
and uh, we'll get to that. But Kid Leo, obviously copying from you, <laughs> would every Friday at five o'clock, he would say, it's the weekend and we're going to go into the weekend with a little born to run. Enjoy, you know, and, and uh, every Friday at five, we would play born to run. So I knew born to run as like, that's the weekend song. Yeah. Um, so those are my two introductions, but I was like, that song rules. Yeah. It's a great song. Uh, but it, I mean, really, you know, after hungry heart came Nebraska and I felt like I remember hearing about it, but it wasn't, I don't think they got a whole lot of radio play. Um, but it wasn't until born in the USA that I really got, found out who Bruce Springsteen was. Yeah, Born in the USA was insanely popular. And now that's like what I was just talking about. So Hungry Heart, first top 10 hit. And then I think Born to USA had seven, seven big hits and one album. And he, he went from being this FM radio guy that critics love to this gigantic pop star almost i mean not that his songs are pop songs but he was at that level when right. uh, born in the usa came out um yeah no doubt and i think that born in the usa i call it his most overrated album but i think that's just because well it's a tie between uh born in the usa but i think the reason i think born in the usa is so overrated is just because i've heard every song on there eight billion times yeah that'll that'll affect your judgment on it yeah so i think i just got sick of it mm -hmm. but i didn't you know like under pressure say by queen is so overplayed that i feel it's underrated <laughs> like um but i don't feel that way about any of the songs on born in the usa you know, if I never have to hear my hometown ever again, that's just fine. Because I heard it 7 million times in the 80s. Did I, yeah, did I ever, do you remember the my hometown story about Dan and Ernie? No. So Dan hated, Dan's a big Springsteen fan. We actually could have had him on the podcast. Ooh. And he hated my hometown. Yo. So <laughs> I think it was, I don't know if it was for his birthday or for Christmas. Ernie bought him the 45 of my hometown. <laughs> and Dan broke it over his head. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, and, and Dan was a huge, he loves Nebraska. I yeah. bought Nebraska because Dan was raving about it. There are people who consider that his best album. Yeah, it's it's not like a popular favorite though, because it's so bleak. Yeah. It's not like, oh, let's put on a little Bruce, get the party going. That's <laughs> like, on Nebraska. Everyone's <laughs> really ignite the crowd. <laughs> the light. What's missing? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny nine nine. <laughs> Get out on the dance floor. Which is really funny because it just shows that he could like 
I felt like he could have taken any of album and given it the Nebraska treatment. And it would have been, you know, pretty strong. Um, but what I do you like, mean by the Nebraska treatment? Well, very, you know, stark and spare arrangements, you know, nothing really grand or, you know, orchestral, you know, many cases, just a guitar and like, just very, you know, any other kind of backing instruments you can like, they're pushed way into the background. So it's mainly a guitar and him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what I, I you know, and, and the point I make is that one time I, I saw, I forget where I, I think I saw him at Wrigley and he did Atlantic City, but it was like full on band. He gave it to Bruce, full on Bruce. It was awesome. It was Atlantic City, like I'd never heard it. And, um, you know, so I feel like, oh, he could have, you know, he could have made, you know, I don't know. I feel like he could have done a lot of his songs and done them in a very kind of um, minimalistic approach to it. And it would have been just as good. I was listening to Atlantic City today and I feel like that song almost doesn't fit into Nebraska because it almost has that kind of, you want it to get elevated more like what you were saying in concert. I can, I almost see why he did that. I'm sure that. Maybe I think that's the best song in the album too. Uh, it's up there. It's up there. You might be right. I love that whole record. Um, I hope Dan doesn't break Atlantic City on my head if he disagrees with me. Oh, well. <laughs> I love uh, State Trooper. I love uh, Johnny 99. Um, I love uh, Highway Patrolman. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a great, great album and um and to me nebraska is like the perfect album if you are like driving somewhere late at night on like some mm -hmm. lonely yep. road yeah. that on and that is talk about setting a mood um i just think it's uh that's a perfect time to listen to it i agree yeah um it's, everyone talks about great road albums and like nebraska is a great road album it's like if you're driving by yourself somewhere um, yeah, throw that on. That set, definitely sets a mood. Um, so I guess we, we've kind of gotten into it. Um, you know, where, well, let's just go like, what are your, what's your top five Springsteen albums? I think I'm going to surprise you a little bit. Oh, at least with two of these. Number one's the obvious one. That's born to run. Yeah. Mine too. Born Run's like perfect. Yes. There's not a bad song on that album. Agreed. Second is Wild Innocent and E Street Shuffle. Oh, well, artsy. Well, while me and my staff were repeatedly listening to it on uh, Sunday night, a couple things I realized about it is this is a total F FM radio album. It's seven songs. Four of them are over seven minutes long. New York City Serenade is his longest song. It's almost 10 minutes long, but it's a really good song. I was listening to it today. I'm like, this is a great song. It's not one you really hear because no one's going to go, all right, put on that 10 minute song. <laughs> I spring Although I guess it would be smart for a DJ if you really wanted a break. Yeah, right. You know, throw on New York City Serenade. And plus it has, I mean, it has Rosalita, which is awesome. might be his best song ever. 
awesome. And I guess you've seen them in concert. That's what it usually closes with, right? Uh, I've heard him play it. I, I don't recall that he, sometimes he's been closing lately with Badlands. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Rosalita is it's a song that's an unbelievable laugh. And yeah, but you know, it's like, well, I guess it, you, it is artsy because he took a, he took a big risk here. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm gonna. Well, I guess I mean he was just. It's only his second album, and he hadn't really hit his. Uh, you know, Born to Run was still to come, so I guess he's still figuring things out. That's what I I feel like he's. That's the that and the first album are like him still trying to figure out what works. But I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great. And yeah, you know, like I said, listening to today, I'm like, man, this is a really good album. Right. And the third one, The Rising. Oh, we are fighting. Fighting, fighting. <laughs> I fighting, love fighting, the rising. Fighting, fighting, fighting. I talk about anthems. Yeah. That's that's the one to listen to if you want to hear that kind of stuff. And coming out when it did, and I love it. I think I think that one does. I put that in my underrated list. That's your underrated, it, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it gets enough play for how good it is. My fourth is Tunnel of Love. I love Tunnel of Love. Tunnel of Love is so solid. Agreed. I remember I had it on cassette. <laughs> yep. And I listened to it a lot. And I listened to it again today. And I'm like, this is still, this still holds up. This is just really good album all the way through. And it's not your typical Springsteen either. And no. I think it's good. Was this, this was the Heartbreak album, right? Because it was, his marriage was ending with, um, is that where it was? It was June. No, it was like no. Or it, it just like, started. It, the move, the marriage had just started. He was like, "I have made a terrible mistake." <laughs> I think we talked about this before for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I married the wrong person. <laughs> the, the right person's in my band. What have I done? Yeah, but I, again, so good. You could put that one in the underrated. You don't hear people talk about Tunnel of Love too much. I don't know. Very underrated. Yeah. And my fifth one, sorry, Bruce, is the river. Oh, you have done it. You can't deny the river. Hungry heart out in the street. Crush on you. You can look, but better not touch. Really good. How about the title track? Talk about the title track. The river? Yeah. Great song. What, what do you want me to talk about? I think it's a great song too. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's almost like a extension of Born to Run. I feel like it would fit perfectly in that album. Yeah, right, right. It's a story. It's very sad, and uh, and kind of like well, it, it just really it totally evokes a mood. And Bruce Hollett hates yes. He really he hates that song. Like that song stones. I'm like, you first of all, your heart is stone. <laughs> Secondly, go back to musical remedial education. <laughs> Take out a pencil and learn something. 
so those <laughs> so those so those are your uh so those are your top five yeah all right so mine is one born to run uh my second favorite is darkness on the edge of town uh that's got all that's got hit that's got badlands uh it's got adam raised a cane candy's room um prove it all night uh just start i i think also like born to run that album has no weaknesses it is just uh it's a little bit maybe a little bit less of a uh kind of an anthem type than born to run but still just awesome um so that is my number two uh my number three is the river which we've discussed um and like i agree with everything i think it's great um bruce says it's a double album which means he probably could have cut out a few maybe he's right but i don't know uh it's i think it's still great and if you can get um he wrote so much music in that time period so much in fact that he put out a album i think it was like a few years ago it was like i think it's called the ties that bind yeah yeah great i mean there were so many songs on there that i was like why didn't you release that instead of uh there's like se seven or uh eight more songs i was like wow that could have made the record or he could have done a whole different album um, i feel like he's he's like prince he's got this endless backlog because he did that with darkness on the edge of town right is that uh, what the, the was the promise that or was that just anything from that era i think it might have been just anything from that era well sure. still but that's that's got good stuff on it too that really does really does yeah. um but yeah the river is number three nebraska we've talked about nebraska is your fourth that's my fourth and then now here's my question yeah do you remember the five lp live set that he put out in the mid 80s yeah mm -hmm. that's a big deal yeah am i am i allowed to count that yeah then i would put that i might even put that number two you like it that much it, it's i think it's great because it really captures you know um you know his strength as a live performer um he's just a guy who you know if you've seen um you know eileen is a huge fan and so i've seen him a bunch of times and uh i'm just always so impressed with how well first of all the, the energy that he you know especially now you know as he's getting older i'm, I'm just amazed um and, what's the live one called do you remember what it was called uh i think it's just called bruce springsteen and the East Street Band live uh, 75 to 85. Okay. And um, I think it was released in like 85, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, I, it, I know that it was very, very popular. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, this is awesome. When it came out, you know, I got it. And I was just like, this is this is awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really can't. It's it's the official title is Live 1975-85. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a listen. That's one I haven't never listened to. 
that album went 13 times platinum. Wow. It was a monster. And it was, was it, it was five, five records. It is a five LP three. CD. Wow. And it went third. That's how popular it was back then. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think it's also reflects like how good it was. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, different. Arra- you remember the, um, uh, the arrangement of Thunder Road that, um, that it was on the radio. It was just a piano, nothing more. Vaguely. Um, it was on the, it was on the radio. At least it was in Cleveland. That was mm-hmm. on all the time to support yeah. as a single kind of to support. And that's when I really was like, Oh, maybe there's Thunder Road. That's really good. What album is that off? Of? Oh, Born to Run. Maybe I should buy that album. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, my education began. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we, I, I think I, I know we had Born to Run on vinyl. I don't know when we got it in our house. And, uh, but I think Born USA was the first one we had. And I got, what year was Tunnel of Love? 87. I think it was 87. Yeah, I bought that on cassette. And then I just got deeper. Right. But I'm not, I'm not, I, I like them, but I'm not as big a fan as you are. I don't know him inside now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that I've seen him, I've seen him in Cleveland. Uh, quite, I've seen him at Cleveland Stadium. So that held like 80,000 people. And uh, that was only, that was a brief one. That was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame dedication concert. Mm-hmm. So he introduced Bo Diddley and played with Bo Diddley. And then, then Bo Diddley left and the East Street Band was still on there. And the place goes crazy. And uh, and he's still playing that jump, 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 jump uh, beat. And then they just sprinkle in the intro to She's the One, the, like with the, um, I think it's like the piano or the organ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just did that flawlessly. Uh, but as soon as he did that, place went crazy. That was awesome. Um, but I'm just, you know, just really quick about his live shows. He, he does like so many like interesting things that no other performers do. He does so many like different versions of a song, you know, whether it's like he'll, he'll build it up like Atlantic city. He did that at Wrigley field place went crazy or like thunder road where he'll strip it down to just a piano. He'll do that a lot with songs. And then he'll also like, he'll build up like a, to a crescendo in songs and he'll just keep playing a certain phrase over and over again. And he really kind of plays the crowd as another instrument. Um, I can't really explain it any better than that. Does, does he not have an opener? Is it no. just him? That's he doesn't have opener. No, I've never seen anyone open for him. That's like, that's what I thought. Cause he plays like forever. Right. They're real long. That, yeah. And that and it never takes breaks. Yeah. He'll like, you know, there's no tuning of the instruments. He'll like, and the band will like, it, there's, there's a kind of an element of like old showtime, um, you know, to his act. It's really an act um, in that his band will hold like a certain note for like forever. And then Springsteen will like, you know, 
he'll be like, you know, trying to whip up the crowd into a frenzy and then he'll count off one, two, three, four, and they'll bust right into another song. Just, and, uh, and it's very, another very high energy and the place is just up for grabs. And, um, what was the best one you saw? Oh, was it, you, was it one you talked about previously? The best Bruce Springsteen concert you saw? Was it on our 10 best when we did that one? Yeah, I really, um, there was one in Cleveland where we, you know, they have a lottery system where if you, um, you show up early and you get there with your uh, passes and then depending on where they pick you, you can be like right up front. And um, so it was in the winter. um, It's called the pit. And uh I mean, literally, we were like fourth row um, to see Springsteen. I don't know if you remember Eileen's pictures on Facebook of like, I mean, literally, he's like right there. It was unbelievable. Oh. He walks right out. He's like, he's like, he's like 20 <laughs> feet away. I was like, ah, God. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Best, so best seats I've ever had ever for a concert ever. Um, but even I've been at shows. I, I saw him at, um, at uh, U.S. Cellular or. He played guaranteed rate field once and we were like way far away and uh still awesome still uh, Wrigley field we did not have good seats but the crowd really it's the crowd that also makes it um as well we've i've seen him at united center i've seen him um at the uh, one in cleveland was at the queue the where the Cavs play and i've seen him at blossom music center which is kind of like the world here in the so maybe uh maybe i'll text him and see if he can do like a little acoustic one in the jag bag studio for us he'll do it <laughs> he will jag bag's um, exclusive mini concert love it um what about uh 21st century springsteen are there any albums that you really like from yes we already I mentioned. A, I have a lot that I like as well. We already mentioned the Rising. I think that's his most overrated album. No, you can't say that. I can. No. <laughs> you will not. Why do you it? think it's overrated? You think people talk about how good the Rising is a lot? I'm not afraid of you, Len. I'm not <laughs> a staff member that just powers before your dictator, evil-like ways. I my voice will be heard. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know whether I like I thought I mean when that album came out, I was ready for it. I was I was like Springsteen's back. He's been gone for a decade. Um, you know, his his albums I have kind of underwhelmed me. Like there was that Lucky Town and Human Touch. I was like, those albums are no good. And then there was the ghost of Tom Joad, which I think he was trying to get back to the Springsteen kind of vibe. And I didn't think that was very good or just not nearly as good. Well, we talked about that a little bit before the podcast about clunkers, but I don't even those albums, I don't think they're bad. They're just not as good as his other stuff. I think they're all okay. It's not like you put it on. You're like, Oh my God, this is awful. He doesn't have that kind of an album. No, no, no. I the thing about uh, Human Touch and Lucky Town, I just thought they were just like bland. Yeah, that's that's a good word for it. Those are the ones that are the lower level Springsteen. 
Human Touch. There's one more like that too, I think. Devils and Dots too is like that. How dare you? <laughs> How very. I was agreeing with you. Now you're going to turn on me again. Oh, we. This is a tumultuous episode of Jagbags. So you like Devils and Dust a lot? I did. No, getting back to the Rising, just like really quick. With the Rising, I was like, "All right, here we go." You know, there's been the national tragedy, and you know, there's a lot of output of you know artistic output, and now Springsteen is going to make a 9/11 themed record. And I really liked the title track, The Rising. Um, I really liked that. I was like, all right, this album is going to be just kick-ass. And uh, it's not kick-ass. I didn't think so. I, th- I thought it was a big letdown. Out of, out of, out I, love of it. I love it. Yeah. I'm in the minority. A lot of people really like The Rising. You think so? I think they do. I don't feel like they, it gets that kind of respect. I don't know. I feel like nothing really can touch his 70s stuff. I mean, I think he peaked and he's definitely had some very good records since, but even like his best album, say, of this decade or the decade before, and I've really liked some of his records. They're not, I still can't say, oh yeah, that's better than The River. No, I can't say that. I think it's hard to pick when somebody's made something that great, it's hard to match it, even if even if it is really good. And it's something that I always, it's almost like a pet peeve of mine. So I'll be like, people will talk about somebody who's been around forever, like Springsteen, Elton John. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, they're not good anymore. And you'll be like, oh, have you listened to their recent albums? And they'll be like, no. I'm like, then how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> you just Agreed. assume. Agreed. Like, give them a listen, then you can, then you can say, uh, then you could say something. I like a lot of his. I really like Devils and Dust. I thought, because Devils and Dust, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, Springsteen's done. I'm through. I'm not going to buy any more records of his. But I kept listening, and I was like, no, this is really good. This yeah. is really good. It really grew on me. You know, here's, let me let me finish up with mine. You, could, you can say your other ones of this century. I think Magic's really good. Do you like Magic? Love it. Um, the girls in their summer clothes. That is a great song. That's as great good as song. as good as everything. As, that is as good as anything he has ever done. And yeah. same with uh, "You'll Be Coming Down." Also, just that's that's great, Springsteen. I like "Radio Nowhere" too. Also great. Real, real solid album. Agreed. And then his last two, I like. Me too. Western Star. Letter to You, I think, is really good. Western Very. Stars, I think, is good. I think Letter to You is really good. I, I want to I wanna give that one a couple more listens. So I really like that one. Uh, Western Stars, when it first came out, it was kind of like Devils and Dust. I was like, oh, what's this album? What's this? Is this like Countrypolitan? <laughs> I don't like this. And But it was one of those things where like, the more I heard it, I was like, no, I'm wrong. I like it. And then the more I listened to it, I was like, no, this is awesome. This is a really good record. Um, I really like Western Stars. And Letter to You. <laughs> I feel like there should be a montage to your reaction. Sort of like. <laughs> yeah, it goes from. Three stages of beef listening to. Stages of beef. 
I do that a lot. Dust and Western Stars. Don't you have an album that when you first start out listening to it, you're like, this album blows. And yeah, then, sure. Uh, a few months that's, later. That's, like, that's why there's the three times rule. I don't think you can have a real opinion until you listen to it three times. Agreed. That's why with this Rolling Stone Top 500, um, unless it just hits you right away, like, no way. I mean, um, like you know, try to, try to have an open mind towards it. If there's something there, then okay, I'll give it another listen and see what I think. Wait, what? Did I miss? Like the <laughs> album Suicide? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've listened to that one yet. It's yeah. coming up, though. I need to hear your opinion on that. <laughs> Must hear it. Uh, what about... Uh, okay, let's go. What about High Hopes? I like... High Hopes, So, Isn't that like a hybrid one again? Where he pulled out some old songs, too? Well, so is Letter to You. I mean, well, Letter to You. Oh, yeah, yeah. He pulled out, because I had to look up the word on one of the ones on Letter to You. It yeah, was, both, both of them were like songs that had, he had started but never finished. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Letter to You. He had a song from the 70s on there that almost made, oh, yeah, Janie Needs a Shooter. I think that was supposed to be on one of his early albums. But he took it off of there. And I'm like, what, a, what the heck does this mean? <laughs> right. And uh, High Hopes, uh, 41 Shots is a really good song. Yeah, that's the only song on there that I like. American yeah, I, Skin. I didn't. I've listened to it, but I'm not super familiar with it. But I do like that song. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I didn't like it. Rolling Stone named it the second best album of the entire year, 2014. High hopes. Yeah. Because they're Rolling Stone. <laughs> but they don't go crazy in the top 500 because Born to Run is 21. Born in the USA is 142. Darkness on the Edge of Town is 91. I don't know if there's anything else. Oh, I think Wild Instrument E Street Shuffles on here somewhere too. Oh, Nebraska, 150. Okay. So he does get a lot in here. I just haven't listened to him because I knew I knew most of them fairly well. What about, is there anything else of this century? Uh, do you like, I don't like Wrecking Ball. Um. Wrecking Ball, I think we take care of our own is the one standout song in there. Right. Yeah, I didn't really uh, care for it. And then the album before that is uh, Working on a Dream, which I think is a very interesting album. It's very unlike anything he's done. And that was another one where you had the three stages of Beav, where <laughs> yeah, like, no, no, maybe, <laughs> yes, yes, working on a drink. That's got the. I will put on my shawl and listen to this, Bruce. Well, some <laughs> some of the songs are. I mean, they're silly. There's a song on there called "Queen of the Supermarket," like what's this? Mm -hmm. 
I'm in love with the queen of the supermarket. Yes, our American, uh, our American poet laureate. He's he was influenced by the Pet Boys. Shopping, S H O P P I N G. Shopping. What's going on? Uh, uh, Wild Innocent and E Street shuffles three forty-five on the list. So I think there's five. He's got five on here. Uh, I really like to, and it's got the wrestler. You know the wrestler. I love that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I like working on a dream. And then there's also when he did a whole bunch of uh, Pete Seeger songs, um, where they're really like old songs, but it's uh, it's called "We Shall Overcome the Music of Pete Seeger." Yep. Um, I mean, really good, really good. Um, I mean, it's first of all, I mean, it's songs like "Old Dan Tucker" and John Henry and. Shenandoah and Froggy went a courting. I mean, they're old, so they're they're like old American standards. But he gives them the old Springsteen fire. So Froggy went a courting would be my walk up song if I was playing major <laughs> league baseball. You haven't lived until you've heard Springsteen do Froggy went a fucking courting. <laughs> and yes, I'm allowed to curse when we're talking about that song. <laughs> Anyways, I, I like it. And uh, when I saw him um, do it live at, um, he was touring for that album. And it was great, great. The band they had, it was really, really good. I think that's the other thing too, is that I, sometimes I like his live versions better of songs better than I like it on record. Well, I mean, if he's great in concert, that makes sense. Yeah, that's why I think the the wild the the. The, the the two first his first two albums, I feel kind of like paled in comparison to like his live versions of. I just think I just don't think he hadn't figured that part out yet, and by Born to Run he definitely figured it out. Yeah, I love his second album. Most people do, and even I mean his first album is Growing Up on there. That's one of his best songs. Growing Up's great, great song. Um, he's really good at he was capturing how you feel when you're in your 20s and you're trying to figure things out like you're really passionate and articulate about those kinds of things in his first few albums yeah he really did capture that well the restlessness um, and kind of like the spastic kind of you know, nature of, you know, you know, having all this energy, but not really sure what you're after uh, in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Kind of like, I got to get out of here. Um, that's a big part of his song. Like, I got to get out of here. And that was a part, that was his life. Or how you can get trapped to, how you can get trapped by certain things. Right. Right. That, I mean, we haven't talked about his lyrics, but I, that's, that's a major thing that, he covers and I, he does it so well. Um, do you want to do our best songs now? Yeah, let's do our best songs. I almost think we should have done a album side for him. 
instead of just <laughs> five songs. We should have done like a perfect Springsteen's album, like 12 oh. songs or something. Right, like a half hour Springsteen playlist. Like yeah, but just like just like we did for Beatles solo, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. No, we didn't do that. Yeah, so let's just go with go with five, I guess. You can do more than five if you want. All right. No, five, then it's then it's hard. All right, why don't you start then? All right, here are my and this is this is really hard, but these are my five. And they'll probably change tomorrow. But right now, these are this is it. This is mm -hmm. one Badlands, uh, two Jungle Land, three Thunder Road, four. Um, right now, I'm really into. Um, uh, when I'm out on the street, oh, 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 I walk the way that I, I love that song. Um, and then five, and I just changed it now, just now, because I thought about it. The rest, the wrestler is awesome. That is a great song. Never gets enough credit. I mean, it was nominated for an Oscar. So I, I maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. But you don't but hear it. You don't hear it anywhere. Well, actually, let's not get nuts. Because I knocked off Rosalita to put in the wrestler. So, I, okay, Cooler Heads prevailed. Is that fifth song? No, I, I want to change it and make it Rosalita. Yeah. That's the right call. Wait, you want to make it what? Rosalita instead of the wrestler. Oh, okay. Okay. Rosalita's a great song. Actually, I like, I love all five songs. But yeah. Great songs. I mean, you really can't Ro go with any of these. Rosalita's such a. <laughs> I love in Rosalita where <laughs> he's so excited that he got his record contract, but he almost crashed his car. Awesome. <laughs> like, did that, is that what really happened? You feel like that really happened? I mean, I love it really. That song really just captures like frantic joy. Yeah, it's fantastic. And exuberance mm -hmm. and just... You know, if, if you listen to that and you don't get a smile on your face and also kind of like, like, also kind of like wonder, overwhelming, like, wow, this song is kicking my ass. Um, and you feel so happy for the guy. He packs so much power into it. Yeah. Um, and just great little, when he stops the, when he stops the band and then launches right back into it, just, just uh, incredible. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to find the exact lyrics. I know if I said it myself, I'd get it wrong. It's <laughs> Where we go? Where we go? Um, I'll find it in a second. But anyways, I'll do my five real quick, and then we'll get back to Rosalita. I'll try to pick some different ones. She's the one's always the one I say first. So awesome. Just the, the piano you talked about earlier, like the, when you saw it, was it in concert where they were doing the she's the one part? Yeah, I mean, it just went right into the beginning, you know, the, um, I, I don't think that's just a think perfect it's a piano. It's like an organ kind of. Is it? Yeah, but that's just such a. Oh, instantly recognized. That's a beautiful piece of music right there. Agreed. And it's also. What we've been talking about, that's 
it's like this guy going, this is it right here. This is what should be happening in my life. Right. Right. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to surprise you with, I'm going down. As a, <laughs> I insist, I insisted on it to myself. I'm like, you know what? I love that song. I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to say I'm going down because every time I hear that, I'm like, I love this. Song. <laughs> <laughs> not the, it was a hit, but it's not a, I wouldn't say it's a highly appreciated Springsteen song. It's kind of a real simple song, but every time I hear it, I like it. I'm like, I got to include it. You used to love to drive me wild, girl. <laughs> me, girl, you get your kicks from just knocking me down, down. Uh, that was a flawless Springsteen right there. Flawless. Amazing beef. You've learned so much from Fred Travelina. <laughs> Thank you. The little time you had with him. Fred, I love your work. Thanks, man. Can I get a bagel? Oh, no. Can I use <laughs> but he taught you so, <laughs> so many, so much mimicry skills. So many tricks of the trade, yes. Yes. I'm trying to pick some ones we didn't talk about because I have a few written down, but we've talked about them already. Maybe I can dig a little deeper, find some other ones that we haven't mentioned yet. There's so many. How about how about Night on Born to Run? Awesome. That's kind of a overlooked one compared to all the other songs down, but that's just as good as the rest of it. Let's go with that. That's three, right? I got three. So I got a couple more. Yep. What else hasn't been mentioned? How about how about um wait, where'd it go? Is it spare parts? Yeah, and, and broken oh, love. That is a great song. Let's go with that. And then we will finish up with what about blinded by the light? I, I prefer man for man. There you go. I mean, not that his version, his version's good, but I think because I, I heard Blinded by Light, Man from Man's version first and heard it a lot and loved it. And then you're like, oh, Bruce Springsteen wrote it. Here's his version. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because you're already invested in Man from Man and they don't sound that different. Agreed. Agreed. So one more. How about... Hmm. About girls in their summer clothes. Well, we talked about that already. Yeah. I'm Not trying to pick one we haven't mentioned. How about uh pink Cadillac? No. That's yeah. not my worst. That's not my ah. worst. Ah. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> How about trapped? I love that song. Yeah, there we go. Let's go with that. That's a great song. I love trapped. There's fun. I just want to come up with some. I mean, all the songs we said today, I pretty much really enjoy. So as a treat to your jag bag listeners, digging deep. I had my notes ready. I had five songs, but most of them we've mentioned already. But as a podcasting professional, we do that. We go the extra mile for you. I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy talking Springsteen. <laughs> you, what about worst? I want to hear your worst because you're such a huge fan. 
you want to hear worst uh, Springsteen songs? From you, yeah. Uh, I hate I'm on fire. Hate that song. But you think that's more because you heard it so much, or you just don't, you didn't like it right away? Sometimes it's like someone drinking down people you drink. I just, my what was the factory play that that's Kirk was awesome. singing? What was the factory play that Kirk was singing I'm on fire? Oh, that was uh, when um, I was like, hey, <laughs> I was like, hey, man. It was me and Kirk, we were on stage, and there's Wendy Trigay's character, who was a femme fatale, and she was giving me the eye, and I said, hey, man, that girl over there is giving me the eye. We could probably, you know, get lucky. And he looked at her, and they turned around and said, hey, little girl. <laughs> <laughs> what play was that, though? What uh, play praying, was it? Praying Mantis. Oh, yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember what play it was, but I... <laughs> I totally remember Kirk singing that. <laughs> uh, I hate that song so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Anything also hate, else? I hate 57 channels and nothing on. I hate that song. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate... Uh, and now, you're going to like get really mad at me, but I hate Waiting on a Sunny Day. That's from mm-hmm. uh, The Rising. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it better, and it was Hungry Heart. Um, I just think it's a copy. Um, uh, I mean, I really, I mean, I'd have to go back to then, like, um, Born in the USA. I mean, I really don't like Glory Days because I just think that got overplayed. And um, wait, wait, what'd you say? Glory Days. I feel Glory like- Days is the worst song of all time. Yeah, I mean, I just. I can't stand Glory Days. I, I, can't, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever liked that song. And I can't believe it was a hit. Eight, eight billion times. Yeah. Awful. Easily my least favorite. Yeah. Agreed. But I have some more, but I'll let you finish if you have any more. That's it. That's all I've got. I would also add both Cadillac songs. Pink Cadillac and Cadillac Ranch. Maybe it's just a, when people sing Cadillac, I'm like, no, Cadillac. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear the word Cadillac ever. <laughs> Maybe it's because <laughs> I remember seeing the preview for the movie Cadillac Man, <laughs> and it was the most shrill preview I've ever heard, and I was like, this is going to be the worst movie of all time. <laughs> so maybe I'm just traumatized by the word Cadillac. Could be. And then my other one is Mary's Place. Yeah, that's no good. Which is on a good album, but I feel like that's him going to the well a little bit too much because he likes using women's names in his songs. But something about that one just seems like it's not fully formed that he was just coasting on that one. That that song is another one that I listen to and it just bothers me right away. Agreed. I agree. I, I really don't like that song. Yeah, so we're not, we're doing doing pretty well. We've agreed a lot, actually. No, uh, there's been no uh, no major there. arguments. Yeah. Well, I've I mean, got, you're wrong. You're wrong about the rising. Well, I've got there. Landon Hudson working on staff <laughs> that will <laughs> conclusively. He was just he is going to overwhelm you with stats. <laughs> about why the rising is terrible. 
You know what? <laughs> he will use memes <laughs> and he will use numbers. And that is why I hired Landon. Um, Landon. You know, I've got, um, I, just for fun, I've got a few artists. Oh, can I just finish up real quick with Glory Days? Uh, one oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Brian Saderf always complains about Glory Days because he has a line, he could throw that speedball by you. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about baseball. I'm like, okay, Bruce. Yeah. I don't think you played baseball in your life. <laughs> Which is so funny because he's like, you know, your typical all-American guy. Like, don't you know baseball terms, uh, Bruce? Yeah. I've never – he has no sports references in his song besides that. He's probably like, that'll be it for me. <laughs> I barely – You never uh, see Springsteen at an NBA game or a baseball game or anything. I, yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys that obviously does not care. Just not a sports guy. That's fine, which is fine. But just don't, <laughs> you know. Throw that straight into a song. And uh, also about Rosalita. It is <laughs> when you're making fun of Springsteen, and not Rosalita is a great song, but you know, it's Jack the Rabbit and Weak Knees Willie <laughs> and Slappy Sue, Big Bones Billy. It's it's fun to make up your own names. <laughs> I love it. There's Janitor Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and Fedora Lawrence, and they're dancing in that, the, you know, <laughs> local watering hole. He's when you're like, doing a Springsteen I, patio uh, parody, he's like, like does, Did you ever hear Oaken's uh, parody song of Springsteen? No. It's called Roll on the Night. <laughs> and there's a, <laughs> it's great. And there's a lyric in it where Oaken's like, and she's got a big fat maternity dress on and I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> if he's still, you should have him play it for you. It's so good. Well, so we got to have him back on. Then, then we'll uh, say you can only come on if you agree to play Roll on the Night. <laughs> he's a Springsteen fan too. Oaken is. Yeah. How could you not be? No, most people are. I don't think there's a lot of Springsteen haters. Kirk. Unless they question, question his sincerity. Kirk hates Springsteen. Yeah, what's his reason? I just think he's uh, too pretentious. And uh, he, that's like if you're going to complain about Springsteen, there's, he does repeat things a little bit, but I guess like he's been around forever. And he does, you know, like he did that Springsteen on Broadway thing. Yeah. I didn't like that. I thought it was too much. Yeah. And his book, his autobiography, I liked it, but I felt like he didn't, I think he thought this was a really super, he was revealing a lot about himself in it, but I, I still feel like he was covering things up. Sure. Sure. I, I think on interviews, he comes across as a pompous windbag. <laughs> really does. Every time I'm like, he's like, you know, there's a lot of danger in exposing, uh, you know, too much that reveals about the human spirit and the human heart. And we shut up, you know. But that's that's the thing, though. And he kind of was saying this autobiography, he's going to reveal things. But I, I don't think he did as much as he thought he did. Right. Right. <laughs> How did you come up with? 
gas whip <laughs> gas whip Lucas and, <laughs> and paper man Galen surfboard Greg <laughs> and hot dog loving Lawrence computer Roger will be uh... and partly electrocuted Mimi <laughs> I'm sorry I I, I just we're getting into our final Springsteen thing. Real quick, just a uh, lightning round. Who do you prefer? And I'll just I'll just do three. Springsteen or Dylan? Springsteen, but it's close. Yeah, I you know why I, I think Springsteen wins just because. I was later to the game on Dylan, I think, than Springsteen. Because Springsteen's more of a product of when we were growing up. Like Dylan, when Dylan started, we weren't even alive. Right. So I think I have a little more of an attachment to Springsteen. I agree. And probably for those same reasons. Also, I think that Dylan's a little drier, <coughs> a little more yeah. cerebral. And these Springsteen is more bombastic. He goes for the heart a little more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, here's the next one: Springsteen or Tom Waits? <laughs> no kind of, contest. They're both like kind of like street poet types. And no contest. Springsteen by a mile. I agree. Yeah, Tom Waits has two good albums. His first two albums, they're good, and then after that, no. Um, yeah, Tom Waits is Tom Waits is also pretentious, and he likes to also have characters like Piano Man, Sally, and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, drunk ass. Uh, you know, I was just gonna say, slightly ass. inebriated Teddy. Yeah, alcohol is a big part of Tom Waits. He <laughs> likes to tell stories like Springsteen does, and he's from the area. He's a New York, you know, East Coast guy, same as Springsteen. Um, but I agree, I agree with you, Springsteen, easily. Okay, here's the last one. And I know that you're going to be like, what? But they are more alike than you think. They're both on the same label, Columbia Records. They both, um, you know, tell stories of kind of a slice of life. Um, as Eileen says, one is a pussy and one isn't. Uh, oh. I know. <laughs> I'm getting to know the entire Byer family a little too much. These <laughs> but I, I put it to you. Jagbag listeners, I got to witness the mechanics of the Byer family last week. Right, which is. I, I will mean, not reveal anything, but interesting. Which is, I do what she says. <laughs> uh, the third uh, one is Springsteen or Billy Joel. Springsteen. Um, they are similar, though. They do have like kind of weird similarities. Springsteen, they they're, they're Springsteen both... makes heavy use of a piano. Yes, and working class. Yep. And suburban yeah. kind of themes of suburban alienation. Um, yeah, and. Like the struggles, like um, 
scenes from Italian restaurant and Captain my Jack. life. And yeah, that, that kind of only the good die young, um, Captain Jack, the struggles, James. And yeah, that, there's, there's a good amount of similarity between those two. And, so but I, it's like Springsteen is more critically accepted than Billy Joel. Billy Joel's a little schmaltzier. Yeah. That's a tough pick, though, for me. I'd hard. probably slightly pick Springsteen just because Born to Run beats anything Billy Joel has. What about you? Would you pick, you pick Springsteen, too? That's also hard. I think that Springsteen... I go with Springsteen... But it's really just because he has more. He has a longer body of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know Billy Joel started to go downhill, and rather than try and work through it, he just stopped making records. Yeah, I, I think you know what I feel like with Billy Joel too is he has a billion hits, and it's easier to get sick of Billy Joel because mm-hmm. you you couldn't miss him in the 80s and the 90s even the late 70s there's a billy joel song always yep somewhere and and springsteen his only period was like that was in the 80s was born in the usa and he's not as prolific so you don't get a chance to get tired of springsteen like he did with because billy joel he was i think maybe that's part of the reason why he stopped because he was probably producing more stuff than springsteen was because springsteen he did even born to run, he didn't have another album until three years after that. Yep. And that was, yep. That's the start of his career. Plus, it was the 70s, and we've talked about the 70s like crazy. There were so many people who were just doing album after album in the 70s, but Springsteen, for whatever reason, waited right. for his fourth album. Right, right. And the same thing with Born in the USA, his gigantic hit, he didn't three years after Born in the USA, then Tunnel of Love came out. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, uh, question, and uh, and uh, as I was as I was reviewing them, I was like, oh, they're kind of like it's weird how similar. There's a lot more similarities to them than first meets the eye, which is I never would have guessed. Yeah, it's it's a good comparison, actually. Um, anything else on Springsteen before we? Is there anything that we've? I have exhausted everything. <laughs> I've, I've given it all. I've left it all. <laughs> we here at Jag Bags give it all for you, the listener. I'm going to pass out into bed immediately after we hit the uh, end. Yeah. Well, Bruce will be bothered by our support of the river. He always is. And you know what? <laughs> he was going to fax me a 27 page, you know, dissertation. And I told him, out of toner. <laughs> Forever. Quality control. Way to put your foot down, Beef. <laughs> exactly. I take this approach with Alex, too, with great results. On that note, we better tell uh, listeners what's in store for next week. What do we have on, on board next week? Let me compose myself since you brought the <laughs> mood down with an Alex mention. In a ridiculous statement. Anyway. (laughs) 
Anyways, next week we'll be talking about my newest bracket. Sticks versus Journey. Ultimate battle. It'll be a bloodbath of jams. Sticks versus Journey. Who would you pick? Just Sticks or Journey. Pick it. Journey. Me too. But it's close. And we'll talk about that a little more next week. But I think when I was in grammar school, I would have said I would have said sticks, but journey has aged better. Sticks was my very first concert. Really? Yep. And I was and I was not allowed to go to Journey because I didn't have a I, I didn't have a way to get there. And so uh yeah, not allowed to go see on the separate ways tour. I would have just hitched it, but that's me. Oh, much oh, braver. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Independence. My my parents would give me a fork, kick me out of the house, and go, go find food. Yeah, I could just see you now with a pole and a sack at the end of it, like walking around. <laughs> just a hobo. Living off the land. Exactly. Well. It'll be in my autobiography, The Grapes of Len. <laughs> Okay, Stay tuned for that, Jagbags listeners. You know, we've really come to the end of a wonderful <laughs> uh, show. So we just want to thank you for listening. Uh, please tell a friend or five about us. And when you're ready to listen, put a little Jagbag in your ear. <laughs>